Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Proverbs chapter number 3 and verse number 5 and 6. Aren't you glad you're in church? Amen. It's not a drudgery to come to the house of the Lord. I like what Brother Rayleigh said a moment ago. The Lord, it's Wednesday to us. It's just Wednesday to us. It's just in the middle of the week to us. It's, it's, a, it's a time to meet with his children for the Lord. Certainly a time for us to meet with him. The book of Proverbs chapter three and verse number five and six. The scripture says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. This evening, we're going to continue our study of the book of Proverbs. And as I mentioned last Wednesday night when we began, this is not intended to be a verse-by-verse study uh, necessarily of uh, this great book. That would not be a bad idea, of course. But I just want to go through this book of wisdom. And uh, I, I don't want to just read them with my eyes and let them lodge somewhere in my mind, but I want to pull these principles into a place in my heart and in my life that it becomes part and parcel of the fabric of who we are. And so I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will help us. It's going to seem like, I guess in many respects, a continuum of Sunday morning. I want to talk about our trust in the Lord I want to speak about something that's obvious, but yet often overlooked. And um, before I go any further, and, and, and just for fear that I would fail to mention this again along the way this evening, uh, there's no such thing as just partially trusting someone or something. You, you trust or you don't trust. You can't just trust a little or it's not trust at all. And so we have to put our faith, our confidence, our trust in God. And so if we say that we trust him, then we have to fully trust him in every aspect of the, of the matter. In the last few years, we have watched as um, our nation seemingly is drifting further and further away from the foundation that our forefathers have set for us, certainly along the principles of Christian foundation. One of the more recent things that has come under uh, attack is the phrase, in God we trust. In God we trust. And we find that offensive, I think. I can speak for us to, to say as good old red-blooded Americans, we find that offensive that someone would want to remove in God we trust. When we hear this phrase, we immediately think, I'm sure, of many things, but certainly uh, it is our country's motto. It's, it's what we live by. It's what we were founded upon. In addition to that, it is imprinted upon our currency and coin. I found this interesting that 
That was actually a result of the, the end result of a minister many years ago during the Civil War petitioning to have this done. But since 1938, all of the United States coins bear the inscription, In God We Trust. A law passed in Jul- on July the 11th, 1955, said that in addition to just that being an imprint upon a coin, that uh, it would also be printed on all paper currency as well. And then just a little bit more than a year after that, I think July the 30th of that same year, or the next year, it was declared that in God we trust would become the national motto for the United States of America. And um, obviously we live by that and believe that at least I believe with our heart that we do have our faith and trust and confidence in God. But it doesn't seem to reflect the attitude of this 21st century, does it? Not very well. doesn't seem to reflect the attitude. I find it troubling that groups of atheists and agnostics try daily to push their agenda, and um, that is in and of itself repulsive on many fronts. But that's not what I'm here to address tonight. I'm going to talk about something that I think is even a greater threat against our nation than that, and that is whenever people who claim to trust the Lord really don't trust him. Now those that say they don't trust him, they have their agenda already spelled out. We don't believe in God, therefore we don't trust him. But what an atrocity happens when people that say, I trust the Lord, only say that with their lips and not with their lives. I can find, and I think an assurance in the fact that there were, that will hit the end somewhere. We can't live our daily lives as though we're trusting him and yet put all of our confidence in other things. Brother Jerry Dean said a couple of years ago at one of our camp meetings, he said, you know, for us to sing the song, this world is not my home, we certainly don't live that way. We sing that song, but we don't live that way because we sure drive our tent stakes pretty deep within the earth of what we call here and now. Something... Uh, that we must have ingrained in our heart, I think, in, in above everything else, is the central truth of these verses that we've read here tonight, Proverbs five, 3, 5, and 6. The Message Bible, the Message Bible is not another translation of the Bible. The Message Bible is just a paraphrased Bible. And so that's why I, I uh, quote from that from time to time. The Bible says, in, in the, the Message Bible rather, says, trust God from the bottom of your heart don't try to figure out everything on your own. <laughs> That's kind of getting right where we live, doesn't it? Verse 6 says, Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Now, that's not only a great passage, but that's a great promise. Because, as I mentioned, that we had to bear in mind when we're studying the book of Proverbs that the book of Proverbs is a book of not just promises, but a book of principles, but when there are other passages of Scripture that validate promises. So we're talking about uh, a passage of Scripture tonight that's not just a principle, not just a theory, but that's a promise of the Lord. He has promised that more places than just in the book of Proverbs is what I'm getting at. The primary purpose of this study is to look at the wisdom, not just look at the wisdom of Proverbs, but I want to, as I said a moment ago, pull these principles off the page and into my everyday life, not just to read the book, fold it, and think, well, that was nice, but I want to pull this into my life. I preached about it Sunday. 
But I, I think that I have to have settled in my heart. You must have settled in your heart. One simple thing, I can trust God. I, I, things around me may fail, but I can trust God. Institutions may fail me. Mankind may fail me, but God has never let me down. We're living in a world that would like to deny the very existence of God, but I can't allow that to shake my faith. I've often said that a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with only an argument. And so those that can argue against God, those that would argue against the love of God, the power of God, and the goodness of God, if they, only have, if they have no experience, they only have an argument. But to those who have had an experience, with, you can't pull an experience out of a man's hand. Amen. And so I, wanna, I, wanna, I won't, do not want allow that to, to allow that to shake my faith. I think I'm safe to say that, we have, that there have been times in our lives that we have all had to ask ourselves if we really do trust the Lord. Now, I can appreciate the fact we're not running all around the building on that statement, but there have been times in our lives when we have really had to ask ourselves, do I trust him? I know I sing about it. I know I talk about it. But do I really trust him? I say that for a specific reason, and that is the fact that we sometimes seem to just selectively trust God with things. When something's beyond our reach, when something's beyond the realm of our ability to pull into existence, well, you can trust the Lord for that because we couldn't fix it ourselves either way. But do we trust the Lord at the everyday level of living life? The scripture says that the disciples had one request and that one request was Lord teach us to pray. The Lord's prayer is not a prayer that we repeat but it's a pattern of prayer. But among that prayer and among, uh, amid that pattern of prayer is this, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread denoting a dependence upon God every day day, not just a God of the big stuff, not just God of the extraordinary, but a God of the everyday. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. I, I realize that we're not living in uh, yesteryear. We're, we're, not, we're not living 50 years ago or 70 years ago or 80 years ago. And, and so sometimes when we think about uh, the sacrifice of our forefathers and, and, and um, we talk about that a lot. I, I, at least I, I think I talk about it a lot. I certainly dwell on it a lot. I think about the sacrifices of the people that literally brought us where we are today. And I'm not just talking about Bible characters, but I'm talking about men and women uh, just a few generations removed from us that made huge sacrifices to, to bring us where we are today. And so we think about the uh, period of time, even in the history of this church's existence, where People literally walked to church or they, they rode a horse to church or rode a mule to church or a donkey in a wagon or whatever the case may have been. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, when I mention that, I'm not thinking in, or even trying to imply that we need to try to replicate that kind of sacrifice or need, we need to replicate their sacrifice. Let me be very specific here. So I'm not saying that if, if we sold our car and bought a horse, and rode the horse to church, that that would be a greater sacrifice. Everybody say, phew. 
<laughs> You're feeling better about that already, don't you? So I'm not saying that we need to replicate their sacrifice, but I am saying that we ought to replicate their commitment. That no matter what it takes, that was what the... It was a level of sacrifice and many times they walked to church because they had no other means of coming to church. And so I'm not diminishing the sacrifice but what I'm trying to bring us up to in this hour is the, their level of commitment that no matter what it takes. Amen. I, I, I was moved, I know. I was not alone just a few Wednesday nights ago as our missionary, brother and sister Gracia began to talk about the one young lady that walked, was it two hours every day to go to, to, go to school? Think about that. Two, not two hours every now and then, not just once a month or every you know, once a year to some general meeting, but every day that level of commitment. And so, uh, again, I'm not saying that walking somewhere would, would get us a greater blessing with God. What I'm saying is that level of commitment that no matter what it takes, I gotta get this. No matter what, I can't let an obstacle get in my way. I've got to deal with those things that get in my way. I've, I've got to make sure that everything, everyday things, those things matter with God. And so I've got to learn how to trust him on that daily living level. The thing that we trust the Lord with, those, those are the things that, that, uh, that, those things that we usually or probably could, could manage ourselves. I'm, I'm guessing most people here have bread in the cupboard. You have something to eat when you get home tonight. It may not be what you want, but you've got something to eat when you get home tonight. And so we, we could handle that. We're, there's not a big chance we're gonna go to bed hungry, but, but I, I, wanna, I wanna ask God about those everyday things and make sure that I, I wanna speak to him about things in my life like my relationships and and I want to speak to the Lord about um, me personally and, and uh, every parent in this house. I want to speak to the Lord about me as a parent. Am I the father that I need to be and the example that I need to be? And Am I the husband that I need to be? Am I the preacher that I need to be? But beyond that, am I the pastor that I need to be? And, and uh, can you bring this into your own life today? Because if we're not careful, too often we project the attitude that we've learned enough about life We've studied hard enough in, the, in our own fields of labor that we can trust ourselves. But hear me, we can't do it without God. We just can't do it without God. And um, I know for me to mention ministry would be easy to, to kind of segue into the importance of that being a spiritual thing. But as of this past March, I've been in the ministry 32 years and 28 of those years have been full-time ministry but I do not dare want to take a chance to walk to this pulpit or any other without the, the anointing of God or the hand of God to come with me. Now, I don't want to be carnal, and I don't want you to take this wrong, but could I preach without God? I would think so. I've been talking before people for 32 years. So do I possess the human ability to get up before a crowd and talk about spiritual things? Sure, sure, that's not the point. I, I, I have chills, I'm just, I'm not even sure that was a good illustration. I have chills talking about, talking about that. I don't wanna dare walk to this pulpit or any other pulpit and thinking, I got this, I got this. I mean, I, no, 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 I don't have this. I, I don't have this, I don't ever wanna get this. 
I want the spirit and the power and the presence of the Lord. And so that's why I think Paul in Philippians 3 and 3 Paul suggested this, that we have no confidence in the flesh. And I don't think Paul was trying to strip us of self-confidence, but Paul was just saying that you can't rely on flesh because flesh will let you down. That, that's a, our flesh sooner or later will fail us. <laughs> Anybody ever ask you a question and you knew the answer and all of a sudden, poof. Somebody asked me about someone the other day. I said, I'm just standing there blank as a page. I said, I know their name as well as I know yours. You can't put your confidence and trust in flesh. Amen, our flesh will sooner or later let us down. Uh, This is not original to me, but I heard it years ago, one man who was aging and and he was just talking about this. He said, you know, I, I don't have the strength that I used to have, but he said, my mind still writes checks that my body can't cash. Your flesh will sooner or later let you down. And so these two verses from Proverbs chapter three teach us when and how to put our trust in God. And I need to move quickly here, but I'm quite sure there are many times in our life, of course, that we ought to trust God and the list could be long if we were trying to make one, but to be sure there are just times that we have really got to put our trust in God. I'll mention just a few, and and uh, all of us have been, most of us at least, our youth are with us tonight, and so maybe they they are not going to find themselves or this applicable to their lives altogether, but there are times when life just can take an unexpected turn. I'm not talking about a bad hair day. Just life can just take an, un- you did never dream in your wildest imagination that this is where you would be at this point, juncture in your life. Life just takes an unexpected turn. And when those turns happen and those twists come our way, I've got to remember the words of verse number five, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Now, I'll be blatantly honest with you that it's a whole lot easier to shout about this verse than it is to live it out as with much of the word of God. As humans, we're very curious by nature. That's just our design. We are curious. We're, um, that, that's just that's the way that the Lord puts something in us, that, that in us. And we want to understand, for the most part, things that are going on around us. So what Solomon says here really cuts the, against the grain of our very makeup, our very nature. What Solomon is saying is that when life takes that unexpected turn, You don't have to understand everything that's happening. Now that's a little bit hard to reconcile in your mind because we don't like to feel out of control. And I'm not just talking, I'm not just speaking to the control freaks that may be here tonight. I'm just talking about everybody in general. We don't like to be out of control. It's just a little bit hard to live that out than to shout about that. However, when things happen that we don't understand, This is the very season that I've got to put my trust in the Lord. If we start trying to figure out all of those things for ourselves, we're we're never going to get our hand on it. We're never going to get our mind. We have no idea. We have no idea what tomorrow may hold. If we try to figure it out on our own, if we try to work it out on our own, I promise you the end result of that will never work. And there are many examples throughout Scripture, but I think Genesis 12 is probably one of the most glaring examples, and that is when Abraham and Sarah were promised a child, and yet 
after a few years when that promise didn't come into fruition, when they couldn't look around and, and, and see uh, uh, any babies in the home or they couldn't hear uh, feet running through the house, then they decided they would just try to fix this themselves. And I want to say they decided. Sarah may have come up with the idea, but Abraham went along with it. And so they, they got, they got themselves in a mess. And they just decided we'll just choose Hagar, let her be the surrogate wife. And Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. You, many of you know the story. But God's promise was that Sarah would have a child. Not that there would just be a child in their home. And that's where they got off track. It's not that there'll just be a child in your life. But he said, Sarah is going to have a child. But Abraham and Sarah thought they had everything figured out, but their understanding was far more limited than was the understanding of God. God had a greater plan than they could have ever imagined. What God had in mind so far exceeded human ability and even human logic, but God was in the equation. They put their trust and their ability and their own power to work it out they failed to take into consideration that they were only looking through a glass darkly. They were only looking with limited vision at what God was trying to say. And what followed that decision was disaster because it wasn't long before Sarah and Hagar got crossed up after Isaac was indeed born. Hagar ran away with Ishmael to a foreign land. The sons of Ishmael and the sons of Isaac have literally been at war from that day until now. And so we cannot discount what happens when we say, I got this. I got this. We're talking about words to live by. Things may be happening in our lives that we don't understand even at this very moment. We don't have to understand them, but we do have to trust God. Back in December, uh, my wife and I were privileged to minister in New Mexico, and the pastor of the church there has also for many, many years, 30-some-odd years, been a pilot. And so one day he took me up in one of his friend's air, airplanes and we were flying. It was a very cool day, but a beautiful day. Just the clouds, not a, uh, just a blue sky. And, and uh, so as we went up, we were flying all around the desert and, and uh, he was, for whatever reason, I just thought of this this afternoon, he was talking about uh, not trying to scare me in any way, but he was just talking about that, you know, should anything happen, we were kind of flying along the route of a four-lane highway and he said, all we'd have to do is just, even if we couldn't get back to the airport, you just land on this four-lane highway. And it was, of course, uh, being in New Mexico, there was not any obstacles there to prevent that. So as we flew around a little, little while, he told me, he said, uh, I want you to, he showed me a few things on the instrument panel. And then he said, I want you to take a hold of the, the yoke here. And he said, uh, you, you watch for this and watch for that. And, and he said, I want you to fly the plane. And so for the next several minutes and for the next several miles, I was flying the plane. It was a really neat experience. It really was. But one thing I couldn't afford to lose sight of was I'm not a pilot. <laughs> I mean, I was in control. When I did this, we did that. And when I did this, we did that. And he said, fly over here, and we'd fly over there. But I never could afford to get to thinking, I'm the pilot. <laughs> you see, I didn't have to take off. Furthermore, things went well. I wasn't going to have to land. 
<laughs> he just handed me the controls. We got through the turbulence. We got up there to the beautiful clouds, and he said, here. And so he just handed me the controls. With no ill weather, with no opposition, I was told to fly. And if I may boast just a moment, fly I did. <laughs> I wish Brother Corrin was here. You tell him I said that, Sister Corey. You see, the differences between me and the man that was sitting next to me was vast. Because if the weather had been bad or for whatever reason we had flown past sunlight, he knew something I didn't know. And he knew how to trust and obey the instruments. The instruments would tell him where he was, what he needed to do, and so as we were flying along in this little plane, and I'm going to belabor this story, talk about our little pitiful life here, but, <laughs> but as we were flying along, this the, the instrument cluster in that plane was probably no bigger than this. And so he was talking to me about the GPS and different things about that. And he said, you know, he said, believe it or not, that little panel right there was somewhere between fifty and $60,000. Wow, <laughs> that seemed pretty excessive to me. But I think the reason it seemed expensive to me is because the sun was shining. And there were no clouds. I was thinking, man, that's a lot of money. But if a storm had come up, I'd have been wondering, why did you get the discount instrument panel? I mean, why didn't you? Why didn't, you, know, you didn't need to go to the markdown bin for this, uh, right? It was all smooth sailing and there was nothing to worry about because if something had gone wrong, we could see safety in sight. But those times when you can't see the bottom and you don't know where you are and you can't trust, not even the most skilled pilot can trust their own instincts during those times because you may feel one way and it may be quite, quite different than that, the opposite of that. And so... I don't want to. I don't want to trust my own instinct. I don't want to think I've got this. I can. I can do this. I, that won't get me through life because I may be going this way when I should be going that way. And so Solomon said, "Lean not to your own understanding. Don't put your trust and your confidence in your ability." And other times in our lives that we have to be totally in trust and in unison with God is when we are faced with major decisions in our lives. In all of our ways, verse 6 says, acknowledge him. In all of our ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We all know that it's a good idea to seek the Lord for major decisions, of course. Things like our careers or moving to another city or another state or certainly choosing a life mate, a companion. We want to we make sure God is with us for those big-time decisions. But notice, notice what care, carefully what, Solomon says, Proverbs 3 and 6, if you'll put that up there one more time, Solomon said, in all thy ways acknowledge him. Not just when the big decisions come along, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Lord, I need you today. I need you to keep me safe on the highway. I, I need you to keep my mind and my heart. I, I, I talked about recently the prayer of Jabez and how among the many things that Jabez asked the Lord for, the last thing 
that Jabez asked the Lord for was this. He said, Lord, I want you to preserve me or I want you to keep me from the evil that is in this world. I do want you to bless me and I do want your hand to be upon my life and I do want you to enlarge my coast or my border, but above and beyond all of that, I want you to put your arms around me and preserve me from the evil that is in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in an evil, evil world. And so Solomon said, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And so we've got to turn to him for guidance on every decision that we make. And, and, and the way that we manage the different areas of our lives comes down to decisions. If you think about how many decisions that we make in the course of a day, think about it with me. And I'll tell you where this really came into focus for me. And several years ago when uh, one of our prison services, one of the inmates told me, he said, you know, he said in the, in the life uh, of an, in the average day of an inmate, he said we only get a chance at the most to make 37 decisions. I didn't ask him what those 37 decisions were because that just alone blew my mind. And I'm, I'm standing there for just a moment trying to do a little bit of quick math in my head and before I could even come to any other resolution, he said you make more decisions than that before you leave your house every day. So you just think about how many decisions we make in the course of a day. It wasn't a poor me moment. He was just making a, a statement in a, in a conversation that was in context with that. And so when we're talking about all the decisions that we make in the course of a day, whether they're small decisions or major decisions, we need God to be a part of our thought process. And so I can't discount what I, I obviously need God for the big things, but I can't discount those day-to-day -day decisions that I need the Lord to help me on. I've got to give careful and prayerful consideration to things about daily living. I, I want to ask myself, I've got at some point, our youth are in here, so I'll, I'll address you tonight. At some point in your life, you've got to ask yourself, what kind of music am I going to entertain myself with? At some point in your life, you don't need to wait until you're 30 to make those decisions. I've got to ask myself, what am I going to allow my eyes to watch? Job said that he made a covenant with his eyes. And so I've got to ask myself, what am I going to allow my eyes to watch? I'm going to ask myself, what am I going to allow myself to read? And what am I going to do in other areas of my life? Decisions that we make. We need God to help us carefully and prayerfully make that. How much? What am I going to do for missions? What am I going to do for a building program? What is my offerings going to be? Am I going to be a faithful tither to the church? Am I going to be a faithful attender to the church? Am I going to be a worshiper? Or am I just going to stand around and let others carry the weight? We make decisions every day of our lives. And so those questions could go on and on and on. But it boils down to this. These are decisions that we make. We make. In all my decisions, I need to acknowledge the Lord. I can't do this without you. What would you have me to do? I've got to make decisions that are in accordance to God's will. Now, we can't just go against this and pray about that. If it's in here, save yourself some time. Amen. <laughs> you don't have to pray about stuff that's in writing. We, we've already got that. The Lord given it, has given us that. But, and so I've got I to gotta align my life with that. And so I must include the Lord in my decision-making process. And in doing so, he will honor our obedience. And so as our musicians come, I want to just make one final point. I've got to trust the Lord when our future seems uncertain. 
The latter portion of verse 6 says, And he shall direct thy paths. Yes, he will. It's during those seasons when the future just doesn't seem so clear cut. As a matter of fact, it might even be a season of time where the future doesn't seem bright. That's when we really need to trust God. I feel like just underlining this one more time, and I'm not trying to be redundant, but if redundancy helps this be a successful statement, then I'll say it again. Be careful that you don't take situations in your own hands. Amen. It's important to note that verse 6 isn't saying that he's going to just make life easy. But it just means that the Lord will help us. He will direct our path. One writer said that he will bring our life into focus. So he'll direct our path. We can focus on what we're, on what we're doing. Trusting God means that you don't have to try to make sense of every area of your life. Because if you're not sure where you're going in your life, that, at that particular time, we have to trust God. I've just talked about a few times in our lives or a few things in our lives where we're going to need the Lord or his, we're going to need to trust him. But to be honest, it seems like we face these situations quite often, doesn't it? Life kind of takes a turn we didn't see coming. There's a lot of uncertainty that blank, blankets our life. We don't really know what the future holds. If we're not careful, we can become held hostage by those things. But it's there that you've got to just trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Obeying God is our way of stepping out on faith. It's not just saying, I believe you with my lips, but it's saying, I believe you with my life. It's just kind of stepping out. So we have to trust and obey. We have to have faith and then we have to follow that with our feet and put that into action. We often think that we do a pretty good job with trusting and obeying the Lord. But the scripture seems to give some insight to that. Paul said to the church in Rome, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. And that, that includes us, of course. That sounds like bad news. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says that he provided a substitute to pay the price for our sin in spite of our waywardness. And that's found in Isaiah 53 and 6. And that scripture says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The him that is being referred to there in Isaiah 53 and 6 is Jesus Christ. And that's good news. When it comes to living our life, we can follow one of two strategies as we stand. We can either wander around in the dark trying to figure it out on our own or we can follow the directions of the word of God. I don't have to know the details. I just need to know that you're with me. I don't think I'm alone. I'm confident I'm not alone. When we were facing sheer mountains and it seemed like our strength would surely fail. That we said, Lord, we're not asking you to move the mountain. Because apparently there's something here I'm, I need to learn. I need to get this. But I am asking you for strength to climb. And I'm not just trying to come up with little 
something catchy here to make us have a feel-good moment. But if God brings us to something, he didn't bring us there to abandon us. No more than a literal mother or father, a real mother or father, would abandon their own. No, they would never do that. And so I just had to follow the Lord's instructions. And that is this, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It's that simplicity of saying, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Give me what I need for today. Help my path. Leave me not into temptation. Lord, help me today. I, I need you. I need you. My flesh can fail me. My flesh can lead me astray. My instinct, my feelings can lead me the wrong way. So I'm asking you to anoint me. Amen. Can we just pray and ask the Lord to touch us here today? God, we need your word. We need the... This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.